Welcome everybody. Lee Henson Hasty here on Leading Theologically. Uh, thanks for joining us today, wherever you're from. And I can't wait to introduce you to, to my friend, uh, Chris Burton. Chris is the director of the Leadership Institute at Union Presbyterian Seminary, um, he, uh, which has Richmond and Charlotte campuses. Thanks for being here today. He does much more than that. You're going to learn about it. We're here to talk about why abolition matters today. Thanks for being here, Chris. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Lee. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I am um, with the Committee on Theological Education with the PCUSA and at the Presbyterian Foundation, and it has privileged me to be in a lot of great places. One of those places was I was in Charlotte in May of 2019 mm -hmm. and walked into a, a room at Covenant Presbyterian Church, and Chris and his family walked in right behind me. They were visiting from New York for this annual mm -hmm. luncheon for the Church of Vocations program because he's a former Tate scholar. Mm -hmm. They tapped him on the shoulder at Davidson uh, where he graduated in 2008 and said, won't you consider going to seminary? Were you not, you weren't thinking about seminary? Not even a little bit, Lee. <laughs> you know, when, 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 I, when I got the, when I got the call, I remember at that time I was serving as student body president. And so I got, I get this email from the athletic director at the time. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, what did one of my like committee members do? Did we just like right. order too much like Chick-fil-A for something? Did we blow the budget. So I'm right. ready, I'm ready to be in there trying to, you know, uh, defend the students a bit and then uh the director says have you ever thought about seminary and it was such a curveball i was just like wait, wait what <laughs> that's like that's, that's that's like a slaughter even I mean, yeah 100 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but i'm sure and thankfully you hit that curveball and knocked it out of the park friends he just graduated with his doctor of ministry also from university and seminary he's um, and, and what a gift he is. Um, we're going to post his bio and his website, chrisburtonspeaks.com in the chat. Um, but he is, uh, started an anti-racism, uh, consulting agency called D baddest consulting. I want to hear about why that name is, um, as well. He hosts, uh, co-host, right? Cross streets, a cross streets podcast. I want to recommend to all of you as well. Um, what a gift you are. And there, there you got it right in your back, right behind you. They're all faced, believe in justice. That's it. Uh, there's some justice. So tell us about the name behind d Baddest Consulting, because I'm sure people will be interested. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, I like using uh, a lot of language that really starts, uh, operates on two different levels. So when I talk about the Baddest Consulting, I'm using a lot of uh, Jamaican patois with that. So when you listen to reggae music or dancehall music, I you see. hear a lot of the artists will talk about themselves being the best, but they won't necessarily say I'm the best at something. That's like, I'm the baddest at this. And what that means, kind of like if you think about Run DMC saying, not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Right. So if you think about what it means to be the baddest consulting, it's not just saying like, I'm the best, but really I'm going to help uh, operate in good faith. I'm going to help you uh, get steered in the right direction. So it's really just yeah. sort of a play on that heritage, but also talking about integrity and the values I have, you know? All right. Now y'all already see why I'm talking about. You need to know Chris Burton. And I, you got me so excited. I didn't even ask the question I <laughs> to start with. And and that is a Howard Thurman question. Um, yes. is, um, what is making you come alive? Because what the world needs are people are coming alive. What is For making sure. you come alive, Chris Burton? 
uh, you know, a, a lot of just real excitement going into the summer, um, a, a, a lot of joy around, you know, number one, just not just like celebrating the graduation, but really having that sense of having climbed the mountain, but knowing that you're at the base of another mountain. And I don't feel exhausted. I, I don't feel tired by that. I feel really energized by being able to go from, you know, spending this, this earnest time in studying now, deepening the sense of application. So that's really making me come alive, thinking about all of the wonderful um, people I haven't even um, met yet who we're going to be co-laboring together in the future. That, that really makes me excited and come alive. When you were telling that, I mean, I heard a lot of things. One is sort of like the the deep breaths. You're kind of taking it in mm -hmm. and take those next steps. I also started hearing kind of a Sankofa type moment where mm -hmm. you're sort of looking mm -hmm. back and looking forward, you know, uh, and in the same moment, um, which I think is is really beautiful too. Um, yeah, what? Yeah, that's that's exciting. And tell tell us a little bit about your doctor ministry, and people would probably be interested. Um, and it, maybe it it connects with. Uh, why abolition matters today. Absolutely, it does. Um, I talk about uh, abolition as ministry, uh, where, you know, for a lot of people, if you talk about abolition, they start thinking about the 19th century, like, oh, like Harriet Tubman right. or Frederick Douglass, um, right. something to that effect. But thinking about it uh, in our current context, you do have people who are doing the work of abolition, primarily with the prison industrial complex and, and starting that conversation about understanding what it means for people to truly be free. And, and, and we're living in a very semantic society where a word can mean something to you that has a complete different meaning to me, but really thinking about what it means to, to set folks free. And when I mm. talk about that, I talk about it through the lens of Jesus being the prime abolitionist, right? That what mm. I argue about in my work is understanding that every single act that we see recorded in the gospels is a liberative act, is an is a act where Jesus is setting someone free. And so what I um, argue, the world I want to see realized is one where when we're doing seminary training, we're not just talking about, oh, you know, you, you got your MDiv, you got your mace, you got your master's in public theology. Now you can go work at a nonprofit. You can go be a chaplain at a hospital. You can be a youth pastor or a minister of music. It's really about understanding that abolition is your primary lens, that whatever the context you're gonna be in, you're in the business of setting people free because Jesus is in the business of setting people free. So that's really what I, I spend my time writing about and why I think abolition certainly matters right now. Well, that connects with you know, your consulting work. I think it connects with the podcast I've listened to. I listened I listen today to one unbelievable it's and you'll tell me who it is to uh, uh highlight this it's an app that one of your actually a student must have been at davidson with you he's created um, yes um that that i love what he said that i sort of loved smiled and i cried in the same moment mm -hmm. he said mm -hmm. bland would i had this app she would have been standing here it tell us about that yeah uh, so that so that must have been the episode we did with um by and Jai and his uh, legal legal equalizer app, uh, and just you know, as you're saying it, Lee, hearing him say that that clearly, oh man, that is still grab like like still to this moment, um, because just what the app uh, can do and what he's aspiring for it to do even further is something where you know, I can imagine for many of our listeners, they whenever they're being pulled over by the police or they see those lights behind them, they may say, okay, like, well, yeah, I was 
going a little bit over the speed limit or whatever it is, but they may not be able to fully relate with that sense of panic that comes over a lot of black drivers. Right. And so that sense of knowing that you're not in this by yourself, that at least folks could, you know, see it, whether it's your Facebook uh, stream, your Instagram stream, or, or the sort of like saved contacts that you have there who are able to speak with you or the lawyer, you can uh, tap in immediately. That, that it's such a, a, a game changer. I think, you know, for that sort of universal aspect, if you can't relate to that particular uh, uh, circumstance, just thinking about what it means to be in a situation that strikes fear in your heart and to know you're not by yourself, I think it's beautiful work that Bias doing. So I'm very right. excited about legal, legal equalizing. And I think you shining light speaks to, to your call and what's making you come alive and the work that you continue to do. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a true gift. I mean, I want to be on, I want to be allies. I want to be part yeah, yeah. of it. That's not in my experience. Got um, you, got you. Remember. Um, so I want to be an ally with those who are and and, and that kind of participating in that liberative work, uh, you know, uh, Christian Jesus liberative work. Right. He, that, the prime Jesus, I've never heard that as the prime abolitionist. Mm-hmm. Okay, say a little more. Say a little more. In the Gospels, you say. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so essentially, we're talking about, you know, setting people free, right? So we're, yeah. not, we're not just talking about physical bonds, even though, like, I do care about the prison industrial complex, and I do write at length about that as well. But talking about the, the oppression that comes from having poor health, the oppression that comes from having um, inadequate uh healthcare, inadequate uh, access to, to quality food, inadequate access to quality education. Like, you know, mm-hmm. looking at your child and your child is telling you that they're, that they're hungry and that you don't have an immediate remedy for it. Looking mm-hmm. at your spouse who's saying these bills are overdue, but I don't have a way in which to take care of that. All of these different uh, things come into direct conflict with Jesus declaring, you know, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Right. Or, or Jesus reading out loud um, the words from the book of Isaiah saying that I've come to set the captives free. These words are fulfilled in my reading today. Like when we understand that Jesus isn't just dealing in metaphors, Jesus, Jesus isn't just dealing in uh, uh, terms of phrase, but actually has direct impact in a person's life. The woman with the issue of blood was held in bondage by her medical condition. And by having the faith right. to reach out and, and, and touch and being freed by that, not just saying, oh, she was healed, but really understanding as she was freed, she no longer has to do that. And if that sort of language is uh, puzzling to folks, I, I often offer this example in a workshop that if you were someone who had um, ability or mobility issues, the right. biggest challenge in your day may be walking up the staircase that your classmates, your coworkers just oh, fly man. up every single day. But every morning, you know, I have to get up those stairs. Right. If you were no longer uh, in a situation where you had to deal with that, whether they built a ramp or you were able to use some sort of uh, machine that allowed you to get to your destination, you were literally freed from Mm -hmm. the bondage of having to say, like, I have to do this every time uh, in order to get from point A to point B. I I think once we use that language of freedom and bondage, it can help really help uh, those who aren't experiencing it understand it a little further. Right, right. Well, and I mean... It's not as if slavery is over, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, right. <laughs> a colonialist aspect. I mean, if we think globally, or even, I mean, in a, a neoliberal, you know, sort of economy, there's um, there's folks who are in bondage economically, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. so, it, would you say, 
let's talk a little bit about the Leadership Institute the, sure. and your leadership there is, are you helping people sort of exegete their context in some new ways or grab on to what, what would, what would you say would be a thread that, that you see getting pulled through on what is happening with the Leadership Institute, which it's continuing education sort of mm -hmm. work at, at Union Presbyterian Seminary, but it's more than that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think continuing education is at the heart of what we do. Um, right. I almost view it as the same way that I would imagine McDonald's views like the Big Mac, like it's not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon, right? right. And, and, but I think on top of it, we have such a wonderful opportunity uh, at the Leadership Institute, uh, which is to bring folks who otherwise would not learn from one another in the same sort of space, whether that be a virtual space or physically at one of the workshops, panels, uh, conferences, or even uh, courses that we're offering. And so what really excites me about that is now you have folks who are, are deeply church related. They may be applying to be a commissioned ruling elders. They may have served in the church for a very long time. And now they're learning alongside folks who may have a deep sense of, I want to leave the world better than I found it and may not even be necessarily church related, but there are different book clubs that will be offered. There are different workshops that are going to be offered. There are different courses that are being offered that allow folks who otherwise would not learn from one another or learn alongside each other now in conversation. And I, mm -hmm. I view that as much more than just continuing education. To me, that's almost like an innovation lab. Okay, all right. And, it's, and it sounds like formation um, that's happening there, not just education. Certainly. Yes, um, in some new ways, and I, I'm I'm sure you're bringing in this sort of anti-racism sort of work um, into this space, this liberative work. Um, that's really exciting. Are are there some things uh, currently planned or on the horizon and planning people might want to hear about? I mean, so we can point them to and and how they get linked up. I know we put the Leadership Institute, I think, in the chat, but things uh, you'd like to highlight. Oh, well, cer certainly. Well, of course, our our. Uh, Pathways courses, the new schedule for that is going to be out in about a month or so. Uh, you know, we have a, a, a lot of familiar instructors who, who are coming back. I'm thinking about uh, Dr. John Carroll is going to be teaching our biblical interpretation course. Um, our Womanist Leadership Institute, which is a partnership that we have with the KD Geneva Cannon Womanist uh, Center for Womanist Leadership, uh, where we're offering courses underneath the banner of Womanist Leadership. And, and uh, those courses are going to be rolling out uh, soon as well. And, and very, very excited about the instructors that we have. It's just really when we talk about just like stellar scholars and teachers, I think that you'll be very, very pleased and, and, and excited to see the uh, sort of folks we have who are going to uh, be teaching with us this year. Uh, I'm very excited about a partnership that we have uh, with Yelp in place, which is a, um, sort of like a um, uh, more like tying folks to creation, tying folks to to the actual uh, land itself. And we're going to be doing a book club uh, together um, in late August, early September that we'll be announcing uh, in the middle of the summer. And I think it's going to be something that uh, is really going to live into what I was speaking about earlier, that sense of folks who are sort of interested in this book, but not necessarily sharing the same social location. And I'm excited to see the ways in which people will be learning from one another because of that. Tell us the name of that uh, one more time. Oh, so that's uh, the book club with Yalpin Place. Yalpin. Okay. okay. Nice. That's beautiful. And I know the Center for Social Justice and Reconciliation has to be part of this as well. The work Absolutely. that you um, And uh, John Carroll, uh, I mean, I've got his uh, probably just over here on my bookshelf, his commentary on Luke, which is yes. a colonialist 
interpretation. So that sure. all it all really makes sense here, people. I mean, um, if if in, I know there are a lot of pastors and leaders who listen, and and I would encourage you. You don't have to be going for a degree, right? To no, inter- not at all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah, th- these are uh, you know courses where, uh, and it's funny. I just had a phone call with a, an uh, inquiring uh, participant earlier this morning, who I, I was saying the same thing I'm going to say to you all, which is that our courses are um, very open, and, and, and you know you don't have to say like I'm doing this particular thread, like I'm going for my commissioned ruling elder uh, certificate or anything of that notion. You can sort of just say this seems really fascinating. This sounds interesting or compelling. And, and you can uh, go ahead and register for the course as, as seats are available. But make sure that once you see uh, the seats are open in July, you don't hesitate because they, they get filled up pretty quickly. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Um, so, folks, get on those lists, sign up, listen. Uh, we'd love to know if you're here. If you have questions you'd like to ask, you'd like to be involved in this conversation, we'd love to, to share those. Um, and uh, just so honored to have you here today, Chris. Um uh, what's going on with, tell us a little bit about the podcast, uh, cross streets, uh, what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, cross streets is a podcast that, uh, I co-created with, uh, co-host also with, uh, Brittany Bongiorno. Uh, we met as, uh, fellow parishioners back when we both were living in Brooklyn. Um, and I, I remember after I did a, a workshop where we were talking about, I don't know if you've, uh, seen that Netflix documentary a few years ago now called, uh, 13th or 13th uh which was talking about the 13th amendment and uh after that uh workshop we started talking about what it would look like to really do a podcast that you know in our first season you see us talking a a great deal about our neighbors and so we we it almost serves almost like a oral history where we're Mm. interviewing a variety of our, our neighbors um in Crown Heights and in Bedford Stuyvesant, like across the street, like <laughs> like across the street, exactly. So Cross Streets has really just uh, served as a uh, an avenue through which we can really promote um, the dignity of Black people, where we can mm. talk about soul care, uh, where it's not something where you know you're listening to folks share their stories and it's all just like sad and everyone's just downtrodden. No, these are folks who have uh, you know come from a variety of of circumstances like i think about one uh gentleman who uh, is an artist living in crown heights and he uh migrated to, to brooklyn from the deep south uh, alabama and, and it's just really uh a variety of stories of folks who are just showing how they're living their lives and i think for um people who don't necessarily get to live in proximity with black people and, and folks who may mm-hmm. be a black person who doesn't have a lot of black people around them you're listening to the show and you're able to see like oh you know we contain multitudes it's not just like a i have to fit one sort of box but there's so many different avenues to which we can pursue our, our, our calling in life you know right um it's all this i i think i knew this but i think i'm able to say it a little better it feels like somewhere near the center of your vocation and how you come alive and when you're at that top of the mountain and the base of another one you're not alone no, 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 no. You're not alone. You're alongside folks who are like you, but probably folks who are not like you. Yes. Like, that yes. looks like that looks like a kingdom of God. hundred uh, percent. Okay. Um, and it's really fascinating the kind of people you gather around you and the people who gather you in, I mean, I think is is it really a beautiful thing. Um, you know, what what a gift you you truly bring. Um, what else is going on, Chris, that we, we should know about in your life and how how can I know there's probably 
people out there like, how can I get involved in uh, the abolitionist movement today? You know, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm really really excited to be able to uh, start getting on the on the road and, and working with folks virtually uh, to really show the ways in which what I like to call like the on ramps to abolition work um, mm -hmm. and and the on ramps to really beginning. Uh, living into anti-racist praxis. And, and that really involves me uh, doing education. Uh, I have a couple of uh, eBooks that I'll be able to uh, share with you as well, where I've written about uh, the ways in which scripture ties into this work. So my, my book on uh, the way in which uh, the book of Daniel ties into this sort of calling, the way in which the book of Esther ties into this calling. And I'm hoping to release a couple of eBooks this summer as well, where I may, I guess to sum it all up, to say that like me working with uh, the different organizations, whether they be, they be churches or schools or, or folks who are just like really uh, deeply concerned about this and want to know what's next. That's what really uh, gets me going. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a lot of that uh, right. in, the, in the weeks to come. Well, and you've just gotten really started at Union, right? Just uh, uh, how long have you been there? A year yet? <laughs> Not, you know, next Monday will be six months. I, I, had, uh, <laughs> I, I set an alarm for it when I first started. And I saw it coming up uh, next week on my calendar. So next week will be six months. But nice. it's been a really good six months. Well, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for saying yes. I, I, I'm a big fan of the book of Esther, so I'll, I'll look forward um, and my, my, our kids went to um, uh, a conservative Jewish uh, preschool, and uh -huh. so, um, we, we 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 love uh, to celebrate uh, all the holidays, yeah. especially Purim. <laughs> yeah, you got it. exactly. Yes, yes. Time, the Feast of Weeks, We're, we we love it in our household. Yeah. That is for sure. For sure. Um, that, that's great. So you're right. You're writing, you're consulting, you're podcasting. Where do you find the time to do all of these things, Chris, is what I want to know. You know, I <laughs> and the energy and the life and I can see the joy. It's not that's just not a smile you put on your face. I remember the first time I met you in that that entryway, you had that uh, a smaller <laughs> smile. I mean, there's cool. some joy in your life there. Well, I, I think uh foundations really matter to me and so you know when i start my day i really try to start my day it sounds almost like a cliche but i think cliches become cliches because they're true <laughs> like starting your day with gratitude you know like okay. you, you know I, I wake up i'm a pretty pretty uh, early morning riser um and so when i when i wake up in the morning i i, I try to just spend that quality time with god and really just center myself and ground myself and god just being the complete center of my life. And so mm -hmm. when you have that understanding and that sort of relationship with God, you understand that happiness is a gift and it visits. It don't, it don't live with you, but it visits. But joy is the thing you need. The joy is the source. And so when I just try to stay tapped into the source and minimize my distractions and, you know, I have uh, uh, my family that, that I love uh, dearly. And I think once I, understand like you know taking care of that is the so sort of like the primary task and, and my first ministry you know everything else i do is just flowing from an, a sense of abundance it's, it's not just uh robbing peter to pay paul but it's a sense of because i've taken care of the first uh first fruits and, and, and dealt with my first responsibilities i'm able to sort of flow into every other assignment you know mm, that's beautiful i mean that's 
you just simp simplified Christian practice in a way. I think that'll be life giving for a lot of people. I think I know why you got that letter in the athletic director picture. <laughs> so and and I think I know why Brian Blunt, whoever picked up the phone and called you to come there, did it did the same thing. Um, you, you really uh, think, and I what I love is that you want to empower others, whether it's your mm. family, it's um, you want to shine lights on like your colleague you're talking about earlier who has this uh, new app. I mean, um, even the podcast where you're going across the street. I think that's a re it feels like that's a start. That's a Christian practice, like. Mm. Stepping across the street, stepping across the gap, yeah. meeting someone. You, you, that's what you're doing. I feel like with some of these gatherings with mm -hmm. Institute, you're inviting people to get to know people who are not just like them. Right. And have that openness to do that. That, that feels like that's a good first step. Yeah. Involved. People think like, gosh, that's so big. And these are systemic problems. And they are. Right? They are. They are. <laughs> Racism is a systemic problem. Right. Um, you know, but you. Those, those are small things that people can do. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that you start with gratitude. Um, what are some things you're grateful for, Chris, today? Oh, goodness. oh. <laughs> how much time we got today, Lee? Uh, <laughs> now, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful for the, the start of summer. Uh, summer is probably my favorite season of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, just it, it seems like the time of year people sort of allow themselves to Sabbath. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I, I really appreciate not only my own rest, but I love being around well-rested people. I, I think uh, right. when we take that time to, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking so much about distractions today, but hopefully it's, it's a blessing to someone. But I, I do think that there's a huge uh, blurring over in our own understanding, especially in our Western context, in our American culture of making busyness the same thing as business. And I, and I remember being uh, an undergraduate at, at Davidson and it felt like a competition where, you know, if you said, oh man, I've got to write an essay tonight. I'm like, oh yeah, I got an essay and two quizzes and another person has a lab and another person has all these other things. And it just becomes at what point do we define ourselves more than just the things that we do and and when do we have a sense of, you know, all the tasks that are on our to-do list are going to pass, but there has to be sort of a, a greater meaning at our core. And I think mm. pursuing that's worth doing. And I don't think you can pursue that well if you aren't resting well, you know? Amen, amen. Your, your business is not the same as your business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I, I may get a plaque or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what I need. I need something for that. Um, it's so true. And it's so true. I, I think, you know, in a white Western, you know, predominant world that that become, and frankly, I mean, in the reform tradition and the Protestant work ethic has been all a part yeah. of, been a little part of making that uh, unhealthy, unhealthy. There's been certainly some good things to come of that. But, no doubt about it. But there's, uh, there, it, it it can become an idol, yes. right? I mean, truly, 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 easily, easily. I mean, how much I've, what I've got on my resume, you know, yeah. things, how many things I've published, or what have you, mm -hmm. um, that can get easily done and become a competition. Um, uh, we were talking earlier, Davidson College. Uh, how did you end up there? That, that's <laughs> this makes me. I'm very curious about that. 
<laughs> well, um, I know I didn't want to go to school in the cold. I'm from Brooklyn originally. So yeah. um, <laughs> I, I think about just like how cold it was uh, my junior year. And like, I remember it like even like uh, snowed really bad. We had like a bad blizzard. And I just was like, I'm not doing this again. I can't do this anymore. And so <laughs> I remember my, my poor guidance counselor, he was trying to direct me to all these schools in the um, north. He's like, how about this great school in Maine? How about this great school in Connecticut? And I was like, can't do it, buddy. I'm sorry. I refuse to. <laughs> Yeah. And so I just kept I kept trying to point them towards schools like in the, in uh in the south and, and for some reason I liked uh North Carolina a lot. And so when we had a college fair in town, uh he he uh brought me to the table where a lot of uh Carolina schools were and I ended up meeting uh God bless the life a a, a wonderful uh woman named Wookie Payne at, mm. at at the Davidson table and she was just so wonderful and gracious and just like warm and kind with me. And I was like, I never even heard of the school before, but I, I want to learn more about it. And then eventually got a chance to visit it. And it just felt like exactly where you're supposed to be. Like, I don't know uh, how often we get those moments in life, but that sense of like, I'm in the exact right place at the exact right time. And that's what uh, going to Davidson felt like and, and continues to feel like. Well, I got a feeling, Chris, you're going to be that kind of person, if not already, for many, many others. You probably and probably already have been. I'm sure you have. And I'm so grateful for who you are. And um, thanks for saying yes to Davidson, too. And glad. Um, what, what a beautiful journey. I uh, look forward to crossing paths with you, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. And um, so so what a what a gift. Um, yeah, mentors, friends, just remember those little small little conversations you have, you think they may not mean something. They can mean a lot yeah. and a lot of time. And that can have a multiplying effect. And we see it right here in the life of Chris Burton. And I'm, I'm sure you can tell your stories too, but just some encouragement. Um, and I know a lot of pastors out there, y'all are struggling. Those little visits you're making, they aren't little. There's nothing little about them. Mm -mm. Nothing little about them. That five-minute conversation after church, somebody who's asking a critical question, those things matter. At, at a even at a at a at a table at a college fair. I'm you telling know. you, never you never know. Well, I'd invite you in a moment to to share a blessing and a charge with us. Our time, I can't believe, has already gone past here. Um, and folks, I'd love for you to review and subscribe to the podcast, Leading Theological. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we're wrapping up the season, although we'll have one more episode. <laughs> I, I have somehow agreed to be interviewed. Um, the editor of Christian Outlook, Terry McDowell, is going to interview me. Have you met Terry yet? I know you've written with Vir virtually. We've just been uh typing back and forth. I think I may have I may have met her um when they had a bunch of uh folks from Presbyterian Outlook come up here a couple of months ago, but I've definitely been corresponding with her. Yeah, she's such we went to seminary together, her and her husband. Her husband is the uh, dean at uh, the Mennonite Seminary, Eastern Mennonite. Okay, um, good, such good people. Um, so I hope you get to know them. But she's gonna interview me, I trust her, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> And also our stated clerk for the General Assembly, Jay Herbert Nelson, is stepping down in June. But before he does, we're going to have a show with him. Um, and so folks be looking for that to drop in the podcast um, as well before the end of June. Um, but Chris, again, uh, for the gift that you have been, are, and continue to be um, in the life of the church and the world and Union Presbyterian Seminary and beyond, just thank you. And I'd love for you to bless and send us. Yes, certainly. Certainly. Thank you for that. <laughs> 
uh, well, my, my, my hope for you uh, today, um, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, is that you continue to realize the difference between sort of the, the things you feel like you have to do and those sorts of things that are like near and dear to your heart. The ways in which God is speaking to you, not in the thunder, not in the, the loud rumblings, but in the still small voice mm. that God that God uses. And I, and I hope and I pray for you that when you get a deeper understanding of who you are and, and what God has made you for, that you do understand yourself as a blessing. You do understand yourself as a blessed person. And that blessing isn't just for yourself. It isn't just to keep in your own pocket, but it's to be a blessing to um, every single person you encounter. So may you be blessed and may you be a blessing. God bless you, keep you, much love to you. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Friends, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Take good care.